What's going on? Everybody, you've got the Cardboard Coaches here with your boy, Coach Go. I am your friendly neighborhood cartel. And we've got, and we a, got. Special, we got a special guest with us. We got Ephus Pitch in the building, otherwise known as Bill. How's it going, Bill? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you being here. You know, uh, Cartel was a little worried. He says this guy's a very busy guy. He's been on lots of lives. He's been on a few pods lately. <laughs> but I'm happy we were able to make it work. And uh, I think that you are going to provide – I mean, I know that you're going to provide a hell of a lot of value to uh, some of our listeners. And, you know, I, I'm, we're always looking for fresh perspectives. But we're also – looking for people who think outside the box. And uh, if any of you follow EFIS, let me tell you something. It's outside the box, all right, and I love it. So let's talk a little bit about, I mean, you are outside the box, you know? Like how did, what is your origin story in the sports card hobby? Let's talk a little bit about how you got your page to where it is today. Cause I'm sure it wasn't always collecting what it is. Sure, no, thanks Brennan. And again, I'm really, really excited to, to be on guys. I've admired uh, both you and your perspectives for, for some time now and um, feel really pleased to be on. Um, you know, look, my, my origin story, I think for, for my age, I'm, I'm 42 years old, I think follows a similar path to a lot of folks uh, in the current hobby. Um, you know, I was exposed to, to kind of trading cards and extension of my love for sports uh, through my dad you know, in the call it late eighties to, to mid nineties. Um, and you know, it, 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 that, that kind of the chase game, the tying together your, your favorite players to the cardboard in your hand, um, is, is, you know, I think it's, it's experience that it, you know, even today you, you tap into from time to time. I know I do that when I, anytime I open wax, uh, although that's becoming a, a very, uh, foolhardy proposition these days, given where wax prices are, but, Suffice to say, I mean, I, I had very fond memories uh, of, of those times. Um, you know, I, I had the unfortunate experience of, of losing my father a couple of years ago, fairly unexpectedly. And, and then, you know, the, 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 the whole pandemic thing happened. And, you know, I think it's absolutely true. This has been said on a variety of dimensions. Uh, the pandemic did many things, but one of the things it absolutely did was, was tap into our, our kind of safety zones in our brain. And, and a lot of those safety zones go back to some memory uh, and increasingly nostalgia around those memories and what they meant to you at the time. And, and my, and my, you know, my entry back into the collection world is, is, is linked to my relationship with my father. Absolutely. And, and I, and I hope that, um, you know, my passion and, and, and the things that I'm doing, you know, can be extended to, to my children and, and, and however they decide to, to collect. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, so I took a 20, 25 year hiatus. I, I came back in. Um, I like, I think a lot of people, I think we'll talk about this, uh, was very overwhelmed by the content um, that was kind of at the ready through platforms like YouTube. Um, you know, Instagram was probably the other platform that I leaned, leaned pretty heavily in, into in the early days. Um, and I made this comment before. I mean, the problem with Instagram, I think, is it's like walking down an aisle in Walmart or CVS. I mean, things are all over the place. It's hard to make sense of what's good, what's bad. Um, you know, we'll get into the, the kind of pump shill game, but it's hard to kind of see that in the first instance when you're really being exposed to something for the first time again. Um, so it was a pretty disorienting 
experience. And um, so what I started to do is, is really lean back into, you know, what had made me successful in life and what had made me successful as a collector in a completely different genre, which was the art world. And uh, there are a couple of things I realized that I needed to do in pretty short order. I was going to lose a heck of a lot of money. The first thing was I needed to focus. I needed to be very intentional about what I was doing. And um, that's hard to do when, you know, product release dates and, yeah. and all the rest of that's going on. And so yeah. I, I, you know, I got out a, a spreadsheet because I'm a finance guy and this is kind of what I do. And I, and I, and I started to really think about like, if I had to force myself into, you know, categories, what would those categories be? Um, and for me, at least those categories really were, were, were twofold. One was baseball because I was a baseball player. I, I played baseball all the way through college and was pretty good at it. And uh, again, back to my father's experience, you know, my father experience, but some of my fondest memories were being in ballparks across the country and playing myself. So that was number one. And the second uh, sport, believe it or not, was hockey. Love um, you know, I, 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 I feel like that that period of time in like the late 80s to mid 90s was a little bit of a golden period yeah. for hockey. You had this kind of confluence of, of different events that were happening. Um, you know, you had these you know, incredible European players that really making uh, their stamp on the hobby. But at the same time, guys like Mario and Gretzky were still playing. So it was yeah. just like this really magical time. And, and I, hopefully we'll get into it. But I think oh. that's a time within the, the hockey collecting world that I think has somewhat been lost to history, which is a little bit odd. Um, and so those, so I, I decided those are the two things I was going to do and do well. And then I spent probably two or three months really just analyzing the markets Right. And um, again, I started with baseball because I knew that sport pretty well. And the and the natural thing to do, particularly for a current player collector and, and Brandon, we, we talked a little bit about this before we started. Yeah. You know, I, I, this is further evolved for me, but I, I knew that I wanted to collect people that were still playing. But I wanted to do it in a way where like not their fates had been set in stone, but they were well on their way. And Mike yeah. Trout for baseball was just like the no brainer. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he is our version of Mickey Mantle. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, it's, it's funny to me to hear people say, you know, he's kind of, a, you know, he's washed out or whatever at 30 Craziness. years old. Crazy. I mean, the guy, the guy is unbelievable. And again, if, if he gets, if he makes his way into the playoffs, it's kind of like Matthews, you know, if, 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 if Austin, that team figure it out and get to the next series and maybe win another series, his, their cards are going to blow up. Right. So I kind of realized that like, look, here's a guy, and I'll pick on him just because it's easy. He was yeah. a, a, an all-time player that, you know, doesn't flip his bat and, and show off. He just yeah. gets, he gets the job done, but he's one kind of moment away in an NLCS or a world series from being someone that people can't stop talking about. Yeah. Uh, so that was, you know, that was, that was kind of my track in, in baseball. And I, and, and I've rounded out with people like Juan Soto and, uh, most recently, Wander Franco. I mean, I tend to look for players that uh, really jump off the page. Yeah. Um, you know, baseball is one of those things. I mean, baseball uh, collectors are fanatics about stats in a way that other sports, frankly, aren't. I'm sorry, right? And no, so, I agree with you. Yeah. You know, and so, like, if you if you go and 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 because of that kind of uh, history, um, the 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 resources at your disposal as a baseball fan, not not just to mention a collector, are off the charts, right? So, yeah. like. 
I could tell fan, you fan graphs is wild, man. It's like, right. Right. Like, and there's, crazy. there's something it's crazy. Right. And there's yeah. something actually that MLB sponsors called MLB savant that a lot of people don't, don't know about. I mean, you could look at stats that you would blow your mind, hard hit rate, you know, how ground ball percentage, you know, like it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's average incredible. exit velocity. Like it's crazy Instagram shit. accounts, like uh, with the name, like exit velocity or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm surprised that hasn't happened to be honest with you, but, but again, that those are, those are tools that I, as when, before I bought a single car of these guys that I really started leaning into and, and started triangulate what I want to do. And then, you know, on the hockey side of the equation, um, you know, the, the exercise for me was, was pretty simple. I was a diehard Yager fan growing up. I mean, he, his like swagger, his mullet, that thing was a monster. Freaking <laughs> amazing. He was a, he was a monster. The fact that he's still prof- playing professional hockey is just, it's unbelievable. Imagine he never left the shell. He, I know. Would, he, he would have ridiculous. He, he's second in points, I think, and yeah. left the NHL for like, Six years and then started kept playing afterwards. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the guy, the guy. I'm gonna get Bill over to Toronto in a couple weeks uh, to meet Yager. At Yager's here. Uh, yeah. I, I was, I've been, you know, if I didn't have a two week old, I'd probably take you up on that. To be honest, because yeah. I, I saw when I saw that, I was really excited. Yeah. Um. And and then you know more recently, I mean, I, I, Ovechkin to me is is, uh, and again, we what we can play the the whole relative value game across sports, but hockey to me is so undervalued relatively speaking and Ovechkin is just a monster and the guy's just a beast you know and and I and I kind of I grew up in the DC area so I grew up a Capitals fan and then more recently uh frankly because he's an American you know Austin Matthews you know I think that we've seen a lot of positive positive signs of of him being a more of a complete player this year I like that he's kind of starting to get rough out there that's a good sign yeah Uh, it's good for hockey um, and I really like his game. So, so that, yeah, so that, that's kind of, that's how I kind of re-entered the hobby and, and my approach to it, to it. And again, let, I'll be the first to admit guys, like I made a ton of mistakes early, you know, ripping wax and buying LeBron rookies at the top of the market and all this other stuff. And, you know, thankfully I, I was in a financial position where I could shoulder those things and weather those storms, mm. but it sure taught me a lot of how I needed to focus and be very intentional around how I collected. Well, you, you just covered a lot of ground there. Um, the, uh, most importantly, you, uh, you, you essentially mentioned that you were coming from this other area of collecting slash investing. But by coming back 25 years later, I mean, you still had, there were some very deep roots there, right? So it wasn't like someone coming in from a sneaker sector with, without any knowledge of cards or, or experience having collectors. Or, or having sports even. Yeah. And the personal yeah. connections like you yeah. know, that you mentioned, like with your father, which is an amazing thing that's going to stay with you forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then talking about strategizing, because, you know, as we all discussed previously, this is generally something that that's a step people are skipping and yeah. then falling into those pratfalls you just mentioned, breaking too much, buying at the top of the market for some of these big names. And they potentially cannot financially, you know, shoulder some of the loads there. So that's, that's interesting that you, you know, your origin story is, is, is cool because, you know, someone's going to relate to that. And then someone's also going to be able to point to that and say, you know, that there were some advantages there and there are some lessons there that I, that I'd wish I'd known. Uh, now, by the way, you have an amazing screen name. We have several of them in this Instagram community. I have to shout out bat knob cursive. Yeah. Well, my favorites are probably bat knob cursive and it's, I think it's sometimes it's, it's EFIS pitch, but it's also EFIS pitch. 
Uh, talk to us about that because not a lot of people actually know what that is. Sure. So go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Let, let the viewers know what, what that Cartel, is. I'm so glad you, you pointed that out. Um, you know, when I, when I kind of decided to really double down on, on the hobby and, and um, you know, make it something that I just was going to take more mind share around. Um, I knew that I, I wanted to kind of leave my own imprint on Instagram. I felt like of all the social media tools, it was the one that I think best lends itself to uh, exhibiting, collecting. Yeah. The visual, right. The yeah. visual, right. Um, and, and the ability to kind of tell a story within a story, which you know, we, we may get into. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I it, it's kind of funny because my wife kind of joked about this. My wife is not uh, from the U S so she didn't kind of grow up playing baseball. Uh, but like trying to explain what an EFIS pitch was, was to my wife was like one of the funnier exercises, right? Because it is one of these, like, if you think about like professional sports, it may be like one of the only things in professional sports that like almost is like should be in the circus, but it's on a professional playing field. Yeah. Right. So an ethos pitch for if people aren't familiar, if your audience is familiar is an intentional pitch that is thrown at anywhere between 45 to 55 miles an hour. It's not a knuckleball. It's a, it's literally like a lob pitch. Yeah, it's like and a like a looped, like a loop pitch. Yeah, and yeah. and there's, I mean, if you if you if you go on YouTube and you and you search for Ethos pitch, there's some just hilarious you know, people striking out to them. I mean, yeah. Again, these you know major league baseball players making millions of dollars a year striking out to a 45 uh, mile hour pitch. There's some there's a very infamous uh, Ethos pitch sequence between uh, Chapman and uh, Alex Rodriguez when he was a Yankee uh, where he threw one and then threw another one. And he hit it like 5,000 feet. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just one of those, like, it's one of the, what I, and what I like about it is it's kind of like, it's baseball's way of like poking fun at itself. Yeah. And not taking itself too seriously. And so for me, I thought to myself, I'm going to have a baseball focused account and I'm going to reach out to this community I want to have something that in some respects like disarms the audience to know that anybody who's going to name themselves Ethos pitch, right. Yeah. <laughs> realizes at the end of the day, this is, this is, this is pieces of cardboard and, and something to have fun around, but we shouldn't take ourselves too damn seriously. And, and it carries with it. It's un, it's unpredictable. It's unexpected. Um, you, you, as a batter, you are now suddenly faced with an angle where the ball's coming. It's dropping in on you. Uh, yep. I had, I took an EFIS pitch uh, in, in, uh, in high school because I kept, I was swinging late on a hard thrower and catching it late. So opposite field and, and he kind of caught on to this and I struck out on an EFIS, uh, two EFIS pitches and, and you're, it's so unexpected and all eyes are on you yeah. and this ball's coming at you from a high, high arc and you just, you're not ready for it. So yeah, it's, 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 it's yeah. There's, I, I mean, I'm sure. Like, I, I honestly think. I mean, if I ever get around to it, I honestly think there's an essay to write about just how unusual that pitch is in in just sports. The first, now, now just, the, what the first thing I thought of when I when when I heard Ephes pitch, or like, I just in general when I when I think of an Ephes pitch, for me, and it's interesting that you're like, oh, it just doesn't, doesn't take it seriously. I think it's like it's all strategy, like. I, one of the reasons why I love baseball is because it's, it's to me very much like chess. And like, I'm not saying I'm a great chess player, but just how every move 
matters yes. exponentially more just because yeah. the game is a little slower than you know something that's like high velocity high contact like hockey like yes there are split second decisions but the average person doesn't have enough time to like actually compose themselves and think about what's going to happen three steps ahead right so yeah i mean specifically and it's funny because when I got into the hobby, one of the things I was drawn to were pitchers because I, I, I love watching a pitcher pitch on the mound because they, they have an ability to dictate, you know, ev- like everything, the whole game, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. They yes. can throw a hitter off with timing, with, um, with you know, three, let's depending on the count, like being able to guess. And what I would do is when I would watch, I'd try to guess what the next pitch was going to be based on the count right and like yeah. if someone's got three balls chances are they're probably not throwing the change up unless it's filthy do you know what i mean like they're probably going to yeah. go for the strike zone because they don't want to walk a guy because there's bases juice or man on second or man on third whatever the case may be <laughs> and um so i think of it as like entirely strategic i'm like i i when i see an ephus pitch i'm like damn like it's almost yeah. like a like someone chipping a goalkeeper in soccer you know yeah yeah no i mean that's that's probably the most yeah that's that's probably the most yeah that's probably as close as you get to it would be yeah 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 it's funny from time to time it's funny brendan mentioned like my two least favorite life takes are baseball is boring and subtitles are hard to read for movies but uh uh what i was gonna say is the michigan something that's similar in the realm of hockey i mean uh unexpected it's it's way, uh, it's way flashier though it's I like mean, it's, people... it's obviously there's more talent there you could argue but yeah. I, I, think no, I, agree with that. I think the ephus requires context versus the michigan you can just watch like michigan montages for like 47 minutes and probably never be bored but like if I'll you just keep, montage if pitches. you just keep seeing ephus pitches you're like why isn't this guy hitting that pitch do you know what i mean yeah. like like no, this doesn't great. make any sense well, I, do I, have a, I do have a I do have a hockey account that I'm just getting off the ground. Um, nice. That ties back to my baseball account because I wanted to kind of keep these things. I was always a kid that you know had to, you know, ha- couldn't have food that touched each other. You know what I mean? So really? I've got you know I've got the baseball account and I got the hockey account. And my hockey That's account. That's awesome. Really? It's called it's called Turtle Pigeon. Um, Turtle Pigeon. Yeah. You so, heard it here. There you go. That's awesome. Because uh, turtles are, you guys probably know this, turtles and hockey are people that get into fights and then, you know, yeah. back off. And then pigeons yeah. are people that kind of pick up scraps and score goals. So I thought yeah. that was kind of a play, good play on words. Funny, but, meanwhile, my account is uh, just about every uh, sport, every uh, 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 realm of, of cardboard uh, collecting all mashed into one. And uh, surprisingly, it does not set off my OCD. Now, nonetheless, <laughs> guys, let's get into it. Let's get into the logo, man. We've got to get into it because that's just how it is in our uh, hobby community. Uh, finally pulled by the uh, revered breakers known as the Backyard Boys. The ba- uh, back, Sorry, Backyard Breaks. It's all pull boys to me. Uh, the, the Backyard Breakers. Backyard uh, Breakers, yeah. Who uh, come with their own unique uh, style and their own unique history of uh uh what I, i'm trying to i don't know why i'm trying to use uh you're, you're just being so charitable here yeah yeah I'm, yeah I'm did someone so, did someone did these, someone get to you overnight what what's happening here, bro? these these petulant children uh are the ones who wound up uh pulling the uh the awesome triple lebron logo man that and it was just what two three days before that that we saw that great high production trailer from whatnot for the, uh, for the lamborghini Whatnot's great. No problem with whatnot, guys. I just want to put that out there. Uh, they're certainly not in my DMs. 
Um, and, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Two, three days after the high production trailer, we get the backyard breakers who themselves are for, for better or for worse, for, uh, whether we like it or not, a big name in the hobby community. Yep. And let's talk a little bit about, uh, the implications here, guys. Uh, number one, uh, the card is out there. There's going to be an impact on the product, the flawless product, which we've seen multiple high profile breaks. I don't want to, I want to, I want to include the Patrick Ryan, uh, fuck Jerry break. That's maybe the first time the cartel has used coarse language. It uh, is. Certainly not it is. It's, usually, it's usually just me. But his name is Fuck Jerry. It uh, is. And then yeah. we've also got the famous Drake break uh, alongside Golden and, uh, and Shine, the I think. Les Boys, who also took off their shirts in homage to the Backyard Boys, the Backyard Breakers. They're all boys. Um, so, guys, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, it's this double play of something significant that's happened in the hobby that you can argue is historic. And the fact that it was uh, at the hands of someone with a bit of controversy. And by the way, I also like the, I'm sure you guys have both seen it. There's kind of this concept. Is this the capping of this current wave, this current era of the hobby? Could you point to this potentially as the end of the pandemic era of this hobby? Let's discuss, guys. Well, I'll go first if you guys don't mind. Um, I, so we talked about this when it happened. And I feel like, there, and, and I've had many conversations with people since, and I just feel like a lot of people who maybe were, I mean, even the people who had direction, but specifically the ones who kind of were just running around looking like, oh, this is new, this is new, this is new, this is a hot product, this player's hot, this is the ones that didn't refine their accounts even, you know what I'm like, much to what he feels, he's, uh, Bill was talking about with like, just honing in on like, what do I like? Who do I like? Like, regardless of the noise, regardless of price tags, like, what is it that I actually want? I feel like those people are kind of in disbelief, specifically the ones that weren't for backyard breakers, like, or backyard breaks to begin with. The ones who were not necessarily, maybe they were in breaks, but like, were, they swore off them after the gold kaboom. Do you know what I mean? Like those people, I feel like they're like, well, I don't really know. Like, I don't really want to be part of this hobby anymore. Like I, I haven't had anyone go that far and uh, say that, but there's a lot of people that are very upset. And eventually I will answer your question. No, it's, well, you I, know, can I, can I make an analogy? Yeah. Cause I've been like, I've been, I've been thinking about this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys have seen the national lampoon movies. Yeah. Yes. It'd be like if cousin Eddie won the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know what I'm sure. saying? Yeah. After all the destruction and shenanigans, the guy winds up with the, the gold ticket. Yeah. But and like, pro- and likely, it and doesn't likely bother me lot, too much. Give Clark what he gave him, you know? Yeah. What yeah. Well, yeah, there? no, yeah, 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 no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of keeps it all for himself. Yeah. Um, what happened there doesn't bother me too much because I'm not playing the lottery. Do you know what I mean? Like the, for me, the ramifications more lie with the fact that like, I mean, maybe they've changed. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe we're judging them off one instance. Do you know what I mean? Like all these things, obviously, maybe, 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 maybe. But the fact that these people now are going to be, I mean, the pro- poster boys probably for like that one not promotion at the very least, right? Like um, the fact that they're going to be 
I mean, someone's getting into a bidding war for this card. Like they are forever tied to hobby history, whether we like it or not. They are. And so like, what does that mean for diehard collectors who are like, fuck these guys. Like they don't represent what I think or what, what, what I care about in this hobby. You know what I mean? Like these are like the opposite of the people I want to, I, I, I associate with when I collect cards. Um, so I don't know if it's an end of the pandemic era. I think there will be a massive divide though. I think that you're, you're really going to see people like start to collect what they want because they're like, I'm not like, I'm not getting into this hype anymore. Do you know what I mean? If this is. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, I actually, I actually agree with cartel on this and I think it's a really good way to to frame it. Um, You know, one of my favorite quotes is the problem with, with, uh, with living your life is you got to live it forwards, but it only makes sense looking at it backwards. Yeah. And um, I do think that we'll look back at this period of time as a little bit of a, 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 a demarcation in the marketplace. And, you know, I've, I've talked about this through just kind of Instagram stories or whatever. I think David and I talked about it a little bit. I, I do think that we're in the kind of middle innings of a shift in the marketplace. Um, and I think there are, um, I think a lot of serious money has been kind of coming in or matriculating into the industry for the last nine to 12 months. And um, I, for one, can tell you and some of the conversations I've had directly with some people that I would kind of categorize in that way. You know, there's, it's really, it really boils down to one or two things. One is this hobby is not ready, right? It's not kind of ready to be taken seriously. And I do think that has short, intermediate, and long-term ramifications for the growth of the hobby. And I think there's another subset that says um, that's just noise and who gives a shit. And again, if you're intentional, intentional and you're focused, it doesn't really bother you all that much. Yeah. I think that the the yeah. the you know the, the challenge I think that that we have as I think the collector first type um, uh, mentality is how do we kind of steer the, 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 the dialogue towards the next new Brendan or the next new Bill or the next yeah. new cartel right. yeah. who's just being exposed. Yeah. And, you know, their, their first half a dozen pieces of exposure are, you know, somebody's top 100 list of cards you should buy with 5,000 pop counts or somebody who wouldn't be taken seriously in any other line of work that wants to take $30,000 of your money and rip cardboard. Right. So I, I, you know, I, I, I so anyway, I, I do think that we're kind of in this moment in time where now that it's been found the kind of a little bit of the air is out of the room and hopefully what's, you know, what, what feels, fills a little bit of that vacuum are people that are getting kind of back to basics and look, and, and, and I'm not just, you guys would, would back me up on this. I think that you're seeing that in the market. I mean, yeah. I bought a card, I bought a card an hour, hour ago that I thought was going to cost me, Fifteen hundred dollars. It costs four hundred. Yeah. So like that. That's happening. It's happening. It's, yeah. It, it, yeah. There's 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 some blood in the streets, and I think that's an interesting opportunity for for collectors. So yeah, I think one of the one of the bigger issues at hand with the the logo man and what we saw with flawless is I I've called it this this casino mentality has pulled a lot of people in, and there's a danger here. My first thought was actually, you know, so many people are put off by unsavory groups uh, having success. That totally makes sense. 
and that may put people off and have them start to step, to step back. But I also start to think about the fact that I used to say there's always going to be all these tons of new entrants into the hobby every day. I don't know if that's still the case as time goes on, but people are going to see this and inevitably they are going to see the gambling aspect and they're going to be drawn into it with this concept. Oh, maybe I can hit the logo, man. We all three of us know hitting any kind of one of one could be, it can be an Astadillo one of one. It's not going to be easy. It doesn't happen every day. It's, you know, every collector, may, maybe once you get to a decade of collecting, you'll have one or two stories where you pull the card number 10 or less. It just doesn't happen very often. I mean, Panini's but, working on that, though. Right. Well, there you Yeah, they're trying to flood <laughs> it. But the idea is if someone new is coming into this into this uh, hobby, or even someone in, in Bill's position where it was, you know, 25-year break and we come back, what what is, what's being pushed? Uh, breaks are being pushed. Yeah. Um, these influencers who are giving you ridiculous ideas are, are at the forefront. Um, many of them, you know, I, I made a comment in my story earlier today. Many of these accounts are just bought and paid for uh, 20,000 followers, but they're getting 10 likes on their posts. They're trying to build this concept that they are the, uh, the authorities and they are the, uh, the leaders in the hobby. And that is what people are being exposed to. People are getting, you know, uh, hello, sports card investors when, when they when they start looking around at this stuff. It's, this, it's the same type of function with, with the mainstream media. What they mm-hmm. decide to put out in front is, is what you're going to get, which does lead to this concept. This is why EFIS pitch stories, uh, P. Ryan and Science Lab stories, South Park cards. We've talked about all these people before. There's this concept of trying to, to guide people a little bit and also always, I'm always trying to, myself as well, I'm always trying to bring it back to, here's this thing that I love. I'm posting it. I don't care whether you love it or not. I don't care whether it's trending up or down or what the card ladder chart looks like. Uh, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's great. But, you know, that, that's not, that's not going to bring a ton of, that's not always going to bring people in. They do want that gambling aspect. I think all three of us will admit we enjoy opening, ripping a pack here and there. Sure. Yeah. Right. Because there's this concept that you can, I don't know, people have different things to go through their brain, but one of the things that might go through your brain is maybe I can get this $500 card I want out of this pack instead, which is yeah. really silly. We know yeah. it's silly. Um, but I mean, that stuff happens though, right? Like, I mean, like someone yeah. out there is going, it's going to happen to somebody, right? Like, and that's kind of like where the head's at. Right. But once, you know, once people that have come in in 2020, 20, you know, January, 2020, February, March, 2020, kind of piecing together some of, some of the realities here. I think the people that are going to be put off are really going to be put off. Yeah. And we may actually, and that may have something to do with what we're seeing with some of these prices. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's interesting because I I think that, um, I mean, I work, I work for a business where we kind of articulate ourselves this way to the marketplace. Um, you know, we're not interested in being the biggest. We want to be the best. And and I think that, um, you know, the, I've always been a, a big admirer of Dr. James Beckett, but you know, when he took a step away from Beckett, um, there was a void that had, had been left and has yeah. been left for years and years and years in the hobby. And I think that, you know, one of the things that frankly I've been batting around in my own capacity is, you know, getting back to some of the kind of the scholarship of the hobby. Right. And, and, you know, I think that you can look at some of these kind of super collectors for some of that scholarship. Um, but I, I, I think that's what's kind of missing, to be honest with you, or has been missing since I've reentered. It's just there's a lot of noise, you know, cartel, you mentioned there's just a lot of just marketing buzz and hype machines that are thrown at you. And 
what I, you know, what I think that the, the hard, the die hard collector should be thinking about is not like, let's try to go find the next person that wants to scratch an itch, you know, via ripping packs. It's, let's go out and find, let's go build a, a body of scholarship across a variety of different dimensions. Like, again, I don't care if you collect, you know, old postage stamps or old sports cards or whatever it may be, like do you right. Find your thing that you're passionate about, but creating scholarship around those things in a really deep way, that's going to, that's, what's going to attract serious people, right? That's going to attract the people that say, you know what, I have a thousand dollars of discretionary income and I'm going to spend it because I saw an Instagram post where somebody has been spending the last 10 years looking at old nineties hockey inserts and they force rank what they thought were the top 10 and I'm going to go hunt for those, right? That's going to be my mission in the next six, 12, 18 months. I, I, that's what we need to get back to. Right. And, and, and what that means is being focused and intentional about what the hell you're doing. Uh, otherwise, I'm glad, you're you brought gonna up, to do that. I'm glad you brought up nineties hockey cards specifically because we were talking about it, man. It, that's it such makes, an excellent example. It makes no sense. Organic, like ain't nobody going to call that a pump and dump. No, no. That, that's something that was building even before the pandemic. The collectors that are involved are very serious and they are scholar, scholarly about what they're doing. And that's a market. Look, I, I might be wrong. I'm, I'm not a card ladder chart guy, but that market has just steadily been growing. Not, not doing that, that finger, that finger bang that we, we often see, but just very <laughs> organically growing. I, I see it at shows. I see it in conversations. That's an excellent example. Well, it's um, funny. I mean, Brennan and I talked about this offline. For everyone. Yeah, I mean, Brennan and I talked about this offline. I mean, um, I, I've had the most fun that I've ever had getting back into the hobby, going down rabbit holes and looking at old Beckett price guides. And again, tapping into some, you know, I'll call out Pops, for example, P-O-P-Z collection. Yeah. And so a few other, back, not cursive, right? A few other really dedicated hockey accounts. He's got a Beckett and, right there. <laughs> you know, and going down the rabbit hole and finding these cards. And, you know, Brent, the, the, the reason I recall uh, the conversation that Brent and I were having earlier is that, you know, I mean, I've hit some buy it nows that are not cheap, right? But I've done the research to know that I might not ever see that card again. Yeah. And yeah. so if somebody's going to tell me that this is the price it's going to take and I've got the income to do it, I'm buying it. Love it. I might not see it ever again. And, and I think if you, and, and, I, and, I, and I think in this kind of market, what I, one of my pieces of advice for people would be when you start to be focused and intentional about things and you start to see your collection, I, I use this analogy, like you're playing Scrabble, right? So like everything that you collect should be connected to something else you collect. There should be one or two degrees of separation from everything that you do, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, if it takes you like 15 minutes to explain how you collect, you're not, you're not collecting. Yeah. You're hoarding. Yeah. Right. So if you, you've got to be able to explain how you collect in like five minutes, think about your collection and your collecting techniques as a Scrabble game. And mm -hmm. on that dimension, I mean, it's been extremely exciting to get back into these like off the run things that are completely off people's radar screens. I mean, and, 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 and by that's, the way, that's, like, my, that's my favorite part, man. That is my, like finding oh, shit so that people don't, like I submitted a card to PSA that they actually don't like, they actually, they wrote in the, the, the thing. It says, uh, 
no, not enough info, uh, no grade, no charge. And I was like, I felt so accomplished. I was like, yo, like I actually found something that they don't even know, like exist. I mean, this thing's never been graded ever. Right. So I've got, yeah, I've got a, I've got an order at Beckett right now. And I had somebody call me at pretty high up position and ask me about four cards where I bought them. You know, I mean like that, that to me is when, you know, you've tapped into something, you know, because look, I think this, we talked about this earlier, like, um, a surefire way to particularly when there's blood in the streets to really hone in on this stuff is, I mean, I've just been, I've drawn a line and saying, I'm going to buy less than 10 pop count cards. Yeah. It's more than 10 pop. I'm not buying it. Right. Cause One way to do. there's, there's going to be, and again, if, to me, it's like, if you, if you create those kind of rules in your life, yeah, not your real life, your collecting life, that's how you're going to be successful. Right. It's just like, that's what, that's going to be one of my mantras for at least this period of time. And, and again, I've found my way into some pretty interesting cards as a result of just, you know, being disciplined around that. Yeah. Uh, one of my oldest stories on Instagram that I, I recall was when hockey, when vintage hockey was experiencing a bit of a boom, mind you, everything was back in what, February, 2021. I told people, if you see that by now, and it's the only one you've seen, it's been three, four months. You haven't seen any comps. There's none others available. Just buy it. And it was completely not from the perspective of the concept that you're going to make money. It was from the perspective of if you truly want it, now's the time. There's there's new entrants in the hobby. There's people returning. There's investors that don't even know about the sport. You're now competing with all these new classes. Buy it. Just buy the card, right? Because you I think may that's not really. I, I think that's really sound. We talked about this some before, some right? Like the only way you get paid. You get Sorry, paid. I was just going to say. Okay, go I, I was just going to say on some of the middling pop counts you got to remember a lot of the buyers are people that actually love this stuff. It's going into closets. It's not going to be circulating at shows or on eBay, but sorry, go ahead. Brent. I was going to say that we've talked about several times. Like one of the reasons why like you make money, like, and again, like not buying for the intention of making money, but realistically speaking, if you buy with intent to collect, you you're going to hold that thing for, for like enough time that it, it inevitably appreciates. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then maybe something happens in your life and you're like, wow, I can't believe this card is worth what it is. Let me pass it on to the next person that's going to hold this thing for a period of time. Right. Like, and that's how the maturation of the cards really work. Right. Like someone holds it for a period of time, appreciates it, moves on to the next one. But like that's, we've kind of lost that in this like hyper transactional market, right? Like, I think it's, I think it's a really, it's a really cool point. I mean, look, there's, there were, there were a lot of things that I, you know, my 10 or so years of collecting art that I've learned that have a heck of a lot of applicability to the, to the collecting world. And you see it here and there, but one of the things I think that that the art world does a really nice job of doing is provenance. Right. So, this painting of Matisse was owned by, you know, his gardener oh, and then cool. sold to a gallery. Right. Yeah, right. And, they, and, and you, you can trace these paintings in some cases, I mean, thousands of years, hundreds of years. Wild. Right. Um, and, and that provenance, like that's, that's kind of the, the often take, you know, that when you think about what PSA and BGS and these other grading companies do, I mean, that, that's what the provenance does for the art world. Right. And, and I think that, chasing some of these like really 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 hard to find cards you know like one of the, the example i'll give you is I, I found there was a yager uh pinnacle totally certified platinum mirror gold out of 30 
um, impossible card. Yeah. Okay. It was one of these cards. It was printed. It was a 97, 98. It was printed um, right before the collapse of Pinnacle. Um, and the cards themselves were re- redemptions. Ooh. So while there was a print count of 30, who the heck knows how many have survived, right? So this, you know, it came on, it came on uh, eBay uh, a couple of months ago. I, I couldn't react quickly enough. I think I, I literally bought it like uh, my kids were not sleeping. I bought it like 1.30 in the morning. That's crazy. Uh, and, and now it's at BGS. And, and that's a card, like, again, like that card, the providence around that card matters, yeah. right? And, 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 and putting your stamp on owning that card, being a part of your collection, to your point, Brandon, like maybe one day life changes, you, you find new opportunities, your tastes change or whatever. But the imprint that I'll always have as a collector of that card is be the thing that I'll always remember. Yeah. So, Guys, I feel like Brett McGrath of Stacking Slabs is about to call in. <laughs> um, now, I don't, I don't know if you follow uh, or if you're uh, connected with JJ Gorepens uh, at all, Bill, but you're going to have to be. I'm going to have okay. to get you guys to touch pretty soon because that is a Yager super collector on IG. Um, uh, by the way, I, I wanted to very, since we're running a little bit slim on time, I just wanted to close the book on that breaker discussion. Uh, we yeah. all agree. We all agree. It's a very potentially negative path to go through when, especially when you're entering the hobby. Yeah. Uh, very risky. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this video on Instagram, but it was a, it was a certain group of breakers. I, I can't remember their name. I, I I'm exper- experiencing onset of Alzheimer's. At an Probably better that way. Uh, yeah, uh, but they pulled a Babe Ruth cut, and of course there was the requisite excitement. But they revealed the game, whether intentionally or not. On the video, they revealed the game, and it was one comment that this gentleman made after they pulled it, and they got they calmed down a little bit. Was he said something to the effect of, "Guys, we chose the wrong box." So that right there was revealing the game. What essentially the breaker was saying to his buddies was, you know, there's some boxes in the case they're going to open for themselves and some that they're going to offer to their customers. And they literally revealed the game by making that, that, that offhand comment that you might take as a joke, <coughs> which is, of course, they would have much rather have pulled the roof for themselves than a paying customer. So that I feel like that kind of didn't get enough notice um, because it's a more powerful statement than... Yeah, there, there's two, there's, there, there's been two things that I think are, have been most kind of disorientating about the hobby in terms of its composition, I guess is what I'd say. Yeah. Um, the one, one would be uh, vaults. Um, and, and I'm happy to talk about that if we want to, but I, the, the idea of something, a hobby whose tangible nature is part of its quality is yeah. then 100%. completely taken away and thrown into a vault. It just doesn't make any You're sense. You're going to make cartel go off right now. that's 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 the one composition point that i just think is so odd it's an easy summary right there's people uh uh, retrieving the cards for you or buying and selling the cards for you i know that uh, a few of my good friends and i'm being facetious are involved in uh, a company that now is going to facilitate trades somehow uh they're going to house your cards they're going to grade your cards they're going to sell your cards and like bill just said uh you know the, the 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 real ones the ogs you meet around here there's a, we want to hold these yeah. things. My God, we want to hold these I things. I can't wait for my shit to get in the mail. Like, Casually I, I check my, my yeah. tracking on my stuff all the damn time. Like Christmas yeah. morning. Yeah. 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 So that, that's number one. And number two, on the breaker thing, I think it was, it's a very odd thing. I mean, it, 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 I guess 
it, it made a little bit of sense in the world that we used to live in, um, where we had nothing better to do than to be on YouTube for 12 hours a day. But in, 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 in the in the world that we now live in, it makes it makes little sense. The only kind of um, rational case I could make for breaking would be at the very, very top end. Right. And so you're like, right. Yes. Yeah. That, that's the only thing I could. So like, so for example, um, like dynasty in baseball, right. Kind of the, 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 the patch autos, uh, at a tops, which I think are underappreciated by the way, but that's not a here nor there. Um, I appreciate Right. So uh, that is a product. And I think there's probably, there's, you know, football product and probably basketball product that exists in this way too. Uh, and hockey. But I think that product in particular is something where like, because it's like a one hit wonder type thing, yeah. I prefer just to be, if, if, if that's the kind of odds I've got going into it and somebody's breaking a, a 12 box case and I want to buy the angels and, and, and let's say, because I'm a trout guy and let's say, you know, a box of it costs 300, but to buy, buy the angels is 750. I'm going to probably buy the angels in that break. Yeah. Right. I get 12 chances at it versus one. Like that math m- makes sense to me Yeah, where it starts to devolve into just kind of this complete craziness is like, you see these like baseball prospecting breaks for Bowman and people oh, yeah. are chasing these first Bowman autographs for people that, you know, in some cases are 17 and have never swung a bat above rookie ball. I mean, that, that to me is, is, and they're like more expensive than like a Mookie Betts auto. bro. I'm like, yeah, it's, what is it makes no sense. It's like, what is happening right now? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's it, prospecting. I, I have said this to people before, though. At the end of the day, it's a big part of the hobby. It's a big draw in the hobby. It's it is it can be looked upon as gambling itself. But, you know, uh, Brendan, you know, our good buddy, Jeff, man, he revels in hockey prospecting. He's good at it. Um, and he kind of has that inside edge and he wants to flex it. By but you can't even do that anymore because the, the, the product players open up more expensive, like prospecting right. worked right like a few well, years ago but now well, it's you can't deeper. it's you... deeper prospecting right you know, yeah. you know I, think, I think brennan's right though i mean i think like how many right. of those hits and become like notable right. you know what i mean sure sure i, I think brennan's right and you see this you, you see this i think a lot um and again i'll just stick to what i know but what what's happening right now is there's a lot of people that are looking for tomorrow's price for today and yes. the problem with this market versus other markets, right, is that tomorrow's price has to be infused with performance. Yeah. Yeah. True. True enough. So That's there true. are some things that you have to propose, you know, you have to, you have to, there's certain leaps of faith that you have to take to buy tomorrow's price based on what you believe that performance to be. And I think on that dimension, it makes no sense. It makes absolutely zero sense. But no, I mean, no, guys, even one, even Wander turned me off, and I'm like, man, this is a guy that's like an unbelievable player, but like these prices are bananas compared to like Trey Turner, like you, you know, like just little like guys who have been doing it and have like 50 war to their name or 35 war to their name, right? Like you have no idea what's gonna happen. Derrick Rose was the best player in the M- NBA, and then he got injured, and then you yeah. know what I mean. So, but. Well, guys, I, I can I can easily see a part two here. As you know, the cartel's on a bit of time crunch here. Uh, Bill, uh, thank you so much, man. I, I do really think perhaps we should uh, look into a part two. Yeah, I'm done. Because uh, I did want to explore. You talked about provenance in the art world. I wanted to explore uh, your experiences in the art world and kind of do a sure. compare contrast. Yeah. With, with the hobby. 
so sorry for the, the 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 sudden ending here, but I think we we no worries for sure. Well, guys, um, thanks so much for having me on again. Appreciate it's it. Really appreciate nice it. And uh, I hope you all got some quality info from the three people who just love collecting. So <laughs> ultimately, what you can take from this is if you collect what you like. I know it sounds cheesy, but you never really get burned. And not only that, but you have a sense of achievement every time you find something new and you really make it your own and, and make those experiences special. All right, Absolutely. team. All right, guys. Take care. Peace. Take care. Nice. Peace.